and salutations. This is Cage's Kiss, the ultimate Cage cast, where we discuss each of the National Treasure's cinematic masterpieces and his life. We also try to glean whatever kernels of wisdom we can from his character that week. I'm Linda Castro, but you can call me the cheese. I'm Donnie and Nutsack. <laughs> and I'm Adrian, and I'm here too. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about uh, Nick Cage's first movie as Nicolas Cage and his second movie altogether, Valley Girl. Now to go into a little bit of the background, uh, at this time, Nicolas Cage felt he had to work twice as hard as most other actors because people judged him as being um, given gigs only because of uh, nepotism, because of who he was, because he was... He was ever uh, so right. He was, uh, he was, <laughs> because he was Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. Now, uh, he worked with his maternal grandmother, Louise, uh, nicknamed Divi. I hope I'm saying that right. Vogel saying, and, uh, they came up with a new name. They, uh, came up with cage, which was based on the composer, John cage and, uh, my plan B husband, the character from Marvel comics, Luke cage, but, uh, and the Star Divi- Trek pilot. And <laughs> that's who. But uh, the only relative who seemed to support the name change was his maternal grandmother, Louise. But uh, most of his family, namely the Coppola side, really hated it. In fact, his grandmother, Italia, that's right. I learned how to correctly pronounce it's her name Italia. this time. Okay. Yes, Italia, uh, said, quote, it was a stupid, dumb, jerk thing, end quote. And his uncle, Francis Ford, said, My thought then and now is that he is a Coppola and we are proud of him and wish his name was still Coppola, end quote. So that's all I've got for him on the, uh, the background in his life at the present moment. But Adrian, can you tell us a little bit about the, the movie? So we get some actually exciting stats uh, for for this week's movie for for Valley Girl. Uh, it's from 1983, the same year as Octopussy. Very important. Um, it's directed by Martha Coolidge, who went on to direct the uh, Val Kilmer masterpiece, Real Genius, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yay! Um, and the writers slash producers are Andrew Lane and Wayne Crawford. Um, most people will never have heard of Andrew Lane and Wayne Crawford, but they are both uh, thoroughly responsible for the movie Jake Speed, in which Wayne Crawford <laughs> plays Jake Speed. He, he's a hero ripped from the pages of fiction in reality. It's like meta, only it's also not very good. Andrew Lane directed that one and Wayne Crawford wrote and produced with him. They're like pals. They also did a movie in 1989 called The Evil Below, which is like an abyss ripoff with ghosts. Ooh. Oh, and actually, for movies that people actually care about, uh, Andrew Wayne and Wayne Crawford also produced Night of the Comet. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was that was like their only other brush with like popularity at all. You know, other than that, they're magically obscure. 
A little background on the movie, Martha Coolidge, the director, originally wanted Judd Nelson and Eric Stoltz for Randy and Fred, but unfortunately, uh, Judd Nelson's schedule wouldn't allow it. Or I guess I should say fortunately, because... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it depends Nelson on how you so look at it. relentless, though. <laughs> well, I don't know if he's stalker relentless, but uh, she ended up uh, grabbing the top picture and resume from the reject pile and said she wanted more guys who look like that. And it just happened to be Nicolas Cage. As opposed to pretty boy, she said. <laughs> yeah, right. We're not going for sexy here. <laughs> I want this busted ass looking guy on top here. <laughs> <laughs> and he said he didn't know if he was going to be able to do it because at the time yeah right <laughs> but uh you know, the he, way was... he looks in the movie is a lot better than the way he looks on the box and movie poster though you got to admit that i do like his hair on the poster though but um anyway uh he said he wasn't sure if he's going to be able to do it because uh he wasn't sure he could fit it in his schedule because at the time he was helping uh film in his uh, his uncle's movie Rumblefish, but she said it's okay. Uh, Rumblefish, <laughs> which we will be getting to next week. But uh, Martha Coolidge said that was totally okay because she was such good friends with uh, with Francis Ford Coppola that they were like family, and she could get him to be more flexible with his schedule. Sure enough, she calls the the set, and she she asked them about the actor Nicolas Cage and they said they didn't have any Nicolas Cages on set but uh, they did they have a there is Nic- no Nicolas Cage <laughs> he never was <laughs> but they did say they had a Nicolas Coppola now um, so and then Martha Coolidge had a spooky epiphany and then she fired him yeah. and went with Eric Stoltz as Randy. Because <laughs> yeah, the, <end. laughs> the happy ending. But uh, of course, it's supposed to be loosely based on uh, an updating of Romeo and Juliet. Loosely. And I with have some to of the say. the graduate mixed in. Yeah. Loosely. Uh, and then. <laughs> Coolidge asked uh, Nick Cage to shave his chest so he can look even younger. And we got like that. Uh, yeah, right? Because <laughs> they were going to go for some real uh, pre puberty realness in this movie. But um, <laughs> so he took shave his chest as shave your chest like your interpretation of what Superman would do. So he's got the <laughs> Superman logo chest here. So he's got that weird, like, upside-down triangle V that you you can see him rocking on the beach. Because he's out and proud. Because, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's... I keep getting a giggle every time I watch that scene on the beach where they're talking about what a hunky is. He's, like, totally hot. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but have you seen the chest hair? I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> well, he's still ripped from all those push-ups he did in the best of times, so... Yeah. Just trying to be, uh, trying to be rocky there. Uh, yeah. now one thing I really enjoyed about the movie was that, um, it, it fits all the, the, it, it puts a check next to each thing on the eighties movie checklist. There's liberal use of the words queer and faggot. 
there's (laughs) the opening montage in the mall has a soupçon of racism with uh the scene with tony plana as it turns out i hope i'm pronouncing that right tony plana i don't i don't know but either way he's ugly betty's dad and he's awesome and he was in uh three amigos and also the movie has lots and lots of booby shots but that's because the producers gave coolidge uh free artistic reign but she had but... to show naked breasts four times exactly there had to be at they least four, four booby scenes yeah because they wanted to get the the young boys to come in and see the movie so they said no more no less four booby shots that is a real sign of the times though you know like back then you had to you had to have your r-rated movie with boobs to sell it you know yeah, exactly. Like uh, Roger Corman's Galaxy of Terror. Apparently, when they when they showed an initial assembly cut of that uh, to the distributors, they were pissed off. They're like, "You promised us a sex scene, and there isn't a sex scene. They were supposed to do it." <laughs> the distributors. This was actually a major studio. This was like 20th Century Fox or somebody. So Roger Corman goes back to the director and says, "So just cut in more shots of those tits that we had earlier. Just milk the tits, Bob. Milk the tits." <laughs> I can hear him saying that, too. So Martha Coolidge was also milking the tits in her own fashion. In an artistic way. And probably a more artistic way. Yeah, 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 definitely. um, Now, she was actually arguing for more diversity, and she wanted one of the Valley Girl friends to um, to be black. But, of course, the studio said no, because, you know, 80s. And they said, that's silly. (laughs) <laughs> they patted her on the head and said, get us more boobs. <laughs> to get into character, Cage lived in his car while filming the uh, the, the movie, which, of course, was uh, made it a little more difficult to get a hold of him, being the 80s. We didn't have cell phones. And um, you just smashed the windshield in and yell, Cage! <laughs> <laughs> but that's just uh, Cage starting his uh, precious cage activities i guess and starting to to well, you, you can hardly fault him he was in character as heathcliff <laughs> Heath, heathcliff the cat this time and one last interesting tidbit it's not deborah foreman or uh the woman who played julie on the poster instead it's the girl who played samantha his um well the girl he hooks up with so, is that why the head doesn't match the body? Oh uh, yeah, pretty much. Oh, that's <laughs> terrible. Yeah, I don't it's... know why you wouldn't the want to have actual dead performance. She's got those gums that she's always showing. I disagree. It's interesting. Um, it, I, I'll tell you this though: the pacing is not tight. It's not. It's not really no. the, the 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 really complete product that Fast Times is. Um. It's in fact there's there's kind of a weird thing there where where they're they're indulging in a lot of these eighties teen movie cliches which are really in their inception mm. anyhow, um, but at the same time it's like it's like they're almost they're almost circumvented because there's this sense I don't know of naturalism but there's this sort of like weird like we're gonna give the characters space and not necessarily use them in service of a story kind of a thing going on because there's there's mm. plot lines that aren't followed through. Yeah, with uh, poor Lauren, especially. 
the the one the one at the party who the ex uh, does it to when we see naked yeah, breasts for the first time pretty much gets a uh, date raped at the party and yeah. by the way it's Elizabeth motherfucking Daly otherwise known as Dottie from Pee Wee's Big Adventure and she's done like a million things as a voice actor she's um, Holy shit well she has got that voice yeah yeah she's got an amazing voice uh she was in Rugrats although I. I gotta be honest, I don't really know much about it. I know, uh, you know, I should be, I should have been into Rugrats, but I wasn't. Which Rugrats characters, so all the Rugrats fans out there can be scarred and imagine that character (laughs) with naked breasts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no, no, that was uh, way before us because we're, what, what are we? What are we saying? Twenty four. Oh, you're right. Yeah, we're twenty four. Yeah. yeah, we were just um, glints in our parents' eyes or something. Right. Who were also young. Yeah, fellow millennials. Hey, what? We get you. (laughs) We are one of you. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, she was also uh, a couple voices on uh, Uncle Grandpa, and I watched that. Yeah, Uncle Grandpa. But either way, Elizabeth Daly is the shit, and I think that her character deserved something, like, more with that. In fact, like, I think she and Fred are the only real friends in the whole goddamn movie. It is weird, though, right? You know, like how you get the, the expected scenes, like the part where they're with the driving instructor, you know, talking about, about boys and stuff, and the instructor jumps out, and it's like, you know, giggle, <laughs> giggle teen movie stuff. And then there's there's other scenes, like the one we mentioned at the party, and like, at times it almost feels like it's like, almost like a teen Cassavetes movie, you know? <laughs> I, no, yeah. I'm not joking. Like, like, like stuff like uh, if you've ever if you've ever actually seen one, which most people haven't, but stuff like a woman under the influence is like scenes mm-hmm. don't really end in stuff like that because like it's it's not there to like give you an impression of what's going on with the characters. It's there to make you feel bad, <laughs> and it does basically all yeah. make me feel bad. Terrible. <laughs> 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 But, I like uh, the look of the film. I like I like the, yeah. the the fact that you get you get a lot of the film grain for the night scenes and and uh, and mm. Martha Coolidge in the commentary said she wanted to look like cotton candy, like every scene has that red and blue lighting, you know. Yeah, the filter where uh, she kind of has like more pastels in the uh, the valley. Yeah, yeah, and then and then and then the the guys from Hollywood show up, Cage and and uh, and uh, Cameron guy. Yeah. And then, and then, and they've got they've got chains and they're wearing red and black, you know. Which I gotta say, I know that uh, as a Ulman, I'm supposed to be into Randy, but Fred has that amazing line where he says, "Hi, I'm Fred. I like tacos and seventy one Cabernet. And my favorite color is magenta." <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I don't uh, think anybody has ever gotten me so goddamn much. Yeah. Oh, well. oh, well, you mean you mean how uh, how uh, Deborah Deborah Foreman's like? I really love you, and you're like the love of my life. But I'm gonna ditch you because my friends brought my ex boyfriend by. Yeah. Well, I mean, it starts with her dumping Tommy because she says she doesn't love him anymore. She's bored. 
And she's wearing a Woody the Woodpecker top. Friends say that they love her. I mean, but it's they kind also of go off and bang some random woman, and then decide, oh, I want to get back with her, and she's totally fine with this. Nick Cage, also in character, yanks her from the house to confront him, totally violating her own space, and it's supposed to be romantic. Also, with his stalking her at every possible moment. And by showing his affection to her and how much she means to him, he has to beat the shit out of the other <laughs> asshole ex-boyfriend, and she's totally cool with this. And then they just go off into leaving Las Vegas, and that's where the movie goes. It all does totally unravel at the end, you know, you gotta admit that. It's like, what was your plan? It's like, uh. <laughs> well, sometimes as a lady, all you want is someone to come and beat the shit out of your ex. I mean Well, okay, if somebody beat the shit out of out of my my ex, uh, you know, that that would that would score some points with me. Yeah, yeah I think it's like, oh hello. admittedly when i did foresee this quite a few years ago dating my ex again while dumping a guy that i previously was telling i'm totally into Uh, i'd like to point out that the the guy who played her ex there by the way was 30 at the time (laughs) oh yeah 53 yeah uh, we, well, we also his... saw him and Jackie Brown. He's one of the two FBI agents who who uh, tells Jackie mm. Brown, "It's like, so you're a 50 year old black woman working for a Mexican airline. You really set the world on fire." <laughs> well, you him. know, uh, speaking of which, her mom, uh, Julie's mom, would have been about like I did the math, and she would have been about 14 when Julie was born. That happens. Which, yeah, I mean, it happens, yeah, and you know, teen mom, it. it total you know it's not a not really an issue for me but what is an issue for me is that that would have made her dad about 31 oh is Frederick so, Forrest that much older yes okay yes very very much Forrest. so oh, man. oh yeah no don't get yeah. don't get me wrong i i loved the the both of them but uh it gets a little oogie when uh mom's 14 and don't dad's do, but, 31 but, but but think about it though think about like carrie grant right like like even 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 now i always like, think so about carrie grant it's like in Hollywood, men don't have ages. Basically, like when they when they come of age, they're gonna be they're gonna be dating the 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 eighteen year old girl, you know, in every single picture, like Cary Grant was doing up until he was like seventy. Well, like I don't I don't have a problem with the age difference because I mean, you know, my husband, love my life, is ten years older than I am, so I don't give a shit about that. But right. I do give a shit about the idea of somebody screwing a fourteen year old though. <laughs> when they're like in their 30s yeah. it's, it's just a little oogie yeah but. like uh like deborah foreman's ex ran down the escalator it's like hey i'm totally a teenager at the mall <laughs> hey high school girls <laughs> all right all right all right <laughs> pretty much but he's uh, got the bod yeah. <laughs> ew and isn't he in real life like uh, the half brother of the Carradines? Is that what she said? I, I, I you know, I, yeah, I left it on with the commentary, but I kind of went in and out. You know, like I was had stuff to do. You know? <laughs> well, I looked it up on IMDb. Yeah, it, it looks like he's the half brother of the Carradines. Holy crap! Yeah. Wow, John just had to go mess around, huh? Apparently. <laughs> so we're back at the Carradines again. 
<laughs> I think every episode will end up finding our way to the Carradines. So, so uh, Nicholas Cage's success occurred because the ghost of David Carradine, uh, you know, who time traveled because Carradine was alive, you know, uh, guided him through every situation, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I gotta say that I, I feel like Elizabeth uh, um, Daly's character Lauren and Fred were the only decent friends in the whole goddamn movie because like like what you were saying donnie like they're the both of the leads are assholes it's kind of like withering heights in that like i i can't have done so much better than either one of them yeah yeah pretty much but you don't understand but... he can't he crept back to the party through the bathroom window hid in the shower <laughs> watched people pooping trying to have sex and doing cocaine waited for her to get to the bathroom because inevitably she'd have to pee or some lady stuff and then he came up behind her it's so romantic yeah. <laughs> God knows how many times I wish that had happened to me. <laughs> like that, some that, guy uh, would care enough to watch me dump. Too, when they start speaking in the bathroom, too, she's like, she's like, uh, so like, what are we gonna do? He's like, anything. It's like, where are we gonna go? Anywhere? It's like, oh my god, it's so hot. He doesn't know what he wants to do. This is awesome. <laughs> and I love that, like, he's just being a creeper, like watching and listening to people take a dump and and do drugs and get it on and then he calls the one guy trying to get laid a creep like what the fuck <laughs> yeah but, but you know teenagers are also idiots you know oh that's true that's true nobody knows like i know i'm from hollywood i'm really smart <laughs> you fatty girls are stupid let's have sex but i think that if in a um, a Peggy Sue situation where I could go back in time and and I, I guess be this age instead of I guess a reverse Peggy Sue uh, situation where I'm the same age like pre marriage though yeah. I think I'd go for Fred I mean he's new wave loves tacos Cabernet what, what what's more to want I mean. I love that part where they drive into Hollywood and it plays that Pat Travers song, I La 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 Love You, and they're arguing over what's on the radio. I hate this song. I hate this music. <laughs> yeah, I like this song. <laughs> you got yeah. the walk. Oh, I mean, you got all those great POV shots in 1983 Hollywood and that lovely grainy film with the color saturation. You didn't just do that, Rico. Yeah. <laughs> Reacting to, to uh, people who didn't know they were in a movie. I don't know if I feel bad for what what's her name, Stacy, in that scene or not. Because I mean, I feel kind of bad that that her friend is dragging her into this situation that she's obviously, you know, where she's obviously not happy. Those were some good, but but then at the same time, she was just being a prissy bitch. She's a bee. And just ruining it for everybody. They were valley girls. They were totally valley girls. They were valley girls. <laughs> I kind of wish that's what? how they ended the, the movie with that line. They were valley girls. <laughs> but that's Fuck another off podcast. For sure. Like, totally. <laughs> but uh, on another note, Ever since I saw the scene with Julie cuddling with her doll in bed, I became oh, yeah. convinced that this was going to turn into a horror movie. 
At that moment, it's like the pit. <laughs> like the pit. Exactly. Oh, so like, the doll's going to start talking? It's like, you need to tra- see the tits of that lady next door. <laughs> yes, exactly. Who's going to look at these pictures? <laughs> we need at least four booby shots. Nicholas Cage has to find some trollologs. <laughs> yes. Hey, go long. Uh, don't mind the pit. Uh. Oh, well, listeners, I mean, even if you hate Nicholas Cage, go see the pit. Nicholas Cage is not in it. <laughs> it's fantastic. That is an incentive. It is one of my favorite movies uh, from my childhood. I mean, uh, not to from be before with the we gate. were born. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that all the stalking and everything that that uh, any of the guys did that was wrong was because of that goddamn doll. The doll made them all do that. They were all just slaves yeah. to its will. And that's why they're acting all weird in the limo at the end, because they're finally out of range, because she left the doll yes. at home. Yeah. And she's like, oh, shit. What, what happened? You can go as far as to say that David Carradine's ghost visited him and was telling him to do these things. Yeah. Just because a ghost got to get off still. Because it inhabited the but doll. But it needs, it needs the living to get off. Like like Jonah Hill said in uh, Walk Hard, a Dewey Cox story. You ever try jerking off with a ghost hand? Oh, yeah. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> or a doll hand in this situation, oh, a doll too. Hand. So can you explain how this is a subtle, keyword subtle, slight remake and retelling of Romeo and Juliet when the theater, it's on the theater marquee had it on the fucking marquee as if it wasn't beating you over the head with it already? Yeah, that's uh, the subtlety those. is that they didn't kill themselves. The subtlety was also, wow, they listen to the same music we listen to. They eat food like we do. Oh my god, they're fucking people. Hey, they like psychedelic first too. I, uh, hey. I really uh, like, you know, everything everybody's eating, by the way, and how health essentially wasn't a thing yet in the 80s. You know, Oh yeah, like, peanut butter on it's sushi? It's really grody, but let's get a corn dog. Yeah, and a pizza. <laughs> totally. Oh yeah, yeah. No, the peanut butter and the sushi. That party scene with the with the with the with the uh, with the dad and the creepy stepmother. Uh, the dad yeah. there, Clyde, uh, with the with the dark curly hair. That is Wayne Crawford. That's Jake Speed. One of the the writers, right? Yeah, one of the writer producers. Yeah, putting peanut butter on sushi. But, uh, by the way, Wayne Crawford, uh, who also stars in his his later movie, The Evil Below, plays a character named Max Cash. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Which is a terrible beard. Well, that sounds fantastic. Should we should we talk about the scene where the where the that dumb guy on the bike, what was his name, Biff, you know, goes into the house? Oh, and Skip, Skip, I think. Yeah, Skip. It yeah. might as well be Biff. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes and he and you know he's going there to fuck somebody. And then it turns <laughs> out it's it's the daughter and not the mother who was trying to get his dick. Plastics. Plastics, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know if that was like if he was trying to go after the daughter, if he's trying to go after the mother, or well, I think it's pretty. I I don't know for, for me, from my viewing of the film anyway. Like like it seemed really obvious that he was in fact into the mom, like like and, yeah. that, and he was actually down with the whole Mrs. Robinson thing. And because there's a part where he calls the house and the daughter picks up and he's like, oh oh it's you oh yeah. I'm- <laughs> India, yeah, really would just want to say hi bye, you know. He just had to know when the time was. Yeah, right. it's like when when are you gonna be not home? <laughs> Plastics. Plastic. But, yeah. 
Yeah, she, uh, she yeah. really nailed that. Yeah, but but the That's... song, the song during the scene though, like they're they're, oh. play, they're playing they're playing uh, Sparks. They're playing "Eaten by the Monster of Love" by Sparks. That's Sparks so good. were ma- magically obscure. That was one of the two good points of the soundtrack. Modern English, I melt with you. I don't give a shit. You know, like like if that song hadn't been a hit yeah. song, that would have been fine too. You know, and they had psychedelic furs. That made me happy. Ooh. Yeah. They did Heartbreak Beat. Honestly, it just feels like this movie was mostly known or saved because of its soundtrack. Well, that was half the, the budget. Just being so, yeah. No, yeah, the, I mean, the movie does meander. It's a age for this movie to really resonate with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, so, so, and and it, it is it is a real soundtrack film, like like the kind of soundtrack film that didn't exist again until like 2000. It, it, was, yeah. it was a lot like uh, it's a lot like the first Fast and the Furious, how everything's just crammed in and like little thirty second snippets just so the soundtrack disc can have more stuff on it. You know, like when they're at the party, it literally yeah. does change songs like between shots. Yeah. Well, and apparently Take they made the them change. Like uh, they changed all almost all of the music like at the very last minute because they didn't yeah. want to spend so much money on the well, was, uh, uh, videos. Yeah, that happened a lot. It was a lot like the too. the original heavy metal uh, animation movie oh. where, where the soundtrack yeah. couldn't be released yeah. for a long time because well, those problems with that. Well, if you don't uh, pay the Return whole money, Return of the Living Dead as well. The, Return of the Living Dead had that issue also. Yeah. So that televised version I saw the, wasn't um, what people heard in the theater in 1985. What was the one George Lucas did? Not American Graffiti. The, uh... Yes. Okay. Yeah, his teen comedy, same thing. It had a lot of music issues as well because of the rights at the time. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people weren't used to movies using that. They had to go and fight to get the rights to a lot of that music once it was being Yeah, released. it was certainly less of a thing. Like, back then, more often, if a song yeah. was in a movie, it was made for but that it's like movie. Movies like that, people kind of stuck with more because they had the soundtracks that were more defining to yeah. it. But that's also something you don't really see a lot more nowadays, especially going back again to Return of the Living Dead, where you have movies like that and Fright Night, where the music is just like they tell you, fuck it, do what you want. And it actually makes a really awesome soundtrack. It's something that was kind of catered to that. But now you get so much generic bullshit that it just doesn't really add to anything. You know what I really miss is like people making songs for movies like the yeah. um and okay. Warwick. Yes. <laughs> well like Pet Cemetery by the Ramones. Come on. I don't wanna be buried. Be buried. <laughs> How did you say that and not beyond Thunderdome? Or have we gotten finally beyond Thunderdome? <laughs> Stand by for well, the Rangoon version of this joke. <laughs> Tina Turner frightens me and intimidates we don't need me. <laughs> But that and, 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 come on, I mean, Freddy's dead. Come on, man. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, speaking of, you can still buy Freddy's hits on vinyl. That oh, is still a oh, oh, dude, dude, dude. Story, story from life that has nothing to do with Nicolas Cage. Okay, I had uh, on vinyl the twelve-inch signal single of Dawkins' Dream Warriors, theme to a Nightmare on Elm Three. I fucking had it, right? You know, <gasps> goddamn vintage twelve-inch signal single. And my ex, Timmy, was like, well, I need to use all your records on these tables for this party because it's 70s themed. And I'm like, this this album is not from the 70s. It's from the the late 80s. You know, like, no, you can't have it. And he's like, come on, let me do it. Let me put it there. And so I helped him set up this bullshit at at SPSCC. And uh, when we went to retrieve the records, everything was there except my goddamn docking record. 
Son of a bitch. That's key dating advice number 32. When someone says, just let me put it there, you do have to learn to say no sometimes. <laughs> if you are comfortable, <laughs> they have to respect that. Yeah. I was going to add to, I really found two things that I don't really necessarily think would have made the film better, okay. but are, it is one of them does Judd actually Nelson? make more sense. Is that if you do watch this and then follow it up with leaving Las Vegas, it really does look like this is what his life came to after the ending of so that So you just movie. feel better watching and leaving Las Vegas. You always mm. feel better watching leaving Las Vegas. I'm his father! Also, if you... Kind of like with... Uh, Wizard of Oz, and if you sync that up with Dark Side of the Moon, if you take this movie and sync it up to the soundtrack to Reanimator, it makes for a very David Lynchian and more comical film. <laughs> I think that's what it could have used, some more Lynch. Yeah, yeah. or just a really techno-heavy psycho soundtrack, because that's exactly what Reanimator was. Move over. <laughs> We don't have the rights. <laughs> um, so I, I, I know that I, I am the ovary uh, bearer here, but uh, I don't remember ever having slumber parties with my friends where we dance around in our chonies. You didn't you just like strip down to like a freaking like string bikini and put on some sunglasses and sing? <laughs> it's a man for girls like me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but usually that's followed up with core. <laughs> I freaking dare you take it off. Shut up. <laughs> Spin that bottle again. Usually, if you go over to your friend's house and they tell you to strip down your underwear, you should probably get out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're into it. I mean, it, it, you do you. But uh, if you're not comfortable with it, once again, get well, out. Well, I mean, like Martha Coolidge said, they 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 wanted they wanted her specifically to make a teen exploitation movie. They wanted that they they, they wanted that sex, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, in some defense of this movie, which it really doesn't mean, <laughs> because I, if you can hear right now, there's a plow outside the house, and it's not because of the snow, which is about three and a half feet still. It's because literally I had to have something to remove the shit that this movie left because it is a lot. But in its defense, there's a worse movie out there. Just one. And that's called Once Bitten. Ah, as, funny as, that, yeah. as funny as that movie can be, the whole premise is he wants to lose his virginity to his girlfriend, mm -hmm. but he has to have sex before he has it with her so that she doesn't think he's horrible. So his friends tell him, hey, let's get you laid by random horny older women. One of whom is a vampire. totally fine back then. Yeah, cougars were uh, more of a thing. Once bitten, once bitten. Come on, that, that punchline though. You were only in there for fifty-eight seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, they're in real life. Jim Carrey and Nick Cage are really good friends. Oh wait, you told me that story. You told me that story. Yeah. Yeah. Until yeah, I mean, Jim even Carrey after... sort of sort of boned him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he totally boned him for... Uh... Well, in real life, Jim Carrey is also an egotistical asshole. So He's also uber-religious. Yeah. Really? Much like Mel Gibson wearing his own religion. Mm. 
<sighs> Dear movie stars, please don't have a religion. Just make us some movies. <laughs> I don't eat chicken breast because I believe it'll give you breast and we need more Jews to crucify. <laughs> <laughs> I would just like to take, to take a moment to say that Mel Gibson's opinions do not reflect our own. <laughs> I'll drive that Although I do like fried chicken. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like I like a but, reconstituted banquet style uh, pink slime chicken, that, but it still has to have the breading. Yeah. Just like mom used to make. Mmm. Mom used so, to microwave me some shit. So fuck the world. <laughs> fuck you, Martha Stewart. Fuck the world. <laughs> so who could have played any of these parts better? Do okay, we know? okay, okay, okay. I got this. I got this. Okay, 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 okay. All right, okay. Okay, so so we're not we're not we're not too into either of the leads here in terms of their characters. All right, so uh, I say for Nicolas Cage's character, uh, the the boy from Hollywood, we go with Michael Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's that. Catherine Zeta Jones. Will you sleep with me? <laughs> and uh, let me see for the lady. For the lady. Yeah. All right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who should be the lady? Uh, uh, I'll, I'll let you feel this one, Linda. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, my answer is always going to be Madeline Kahn. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Now and forever. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have an enormous <laughs> fun sticker. And for the X, maybe Peter O'Toole. Why not? Yeah, he wouldn't have to touch any grody ladies anyway. Or Oh wait, if... wait, 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 wait. If we're going Peter O'Toole, we need to recast the whole thing because we need a cast of alcoholics. Oh hey. So you get Peter O'Toole and you get Oliver Reed, right? And you get George C. Scott, yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, let me see, uh, for the kid who rides the bike and then gets laid, Brando. <laughs> there you go. Kal-El, I just came to deliver the groceries. By the way, do you have a stick of butter? <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> I- I'm going to film the rest of this with a bucket of ice on my Solid head. Solid King's Valley Girl. <laughs> <laughs> that would probably make it more interesting. Well, what about Alan Rickman? Oh, yeah. You know, this is what I ask myself every day with every movie and every show. What about Alan Rickman? You know, you well, you dead. valley girls Thank enjoy you, Donnie. electropop. <laughs> You're just programmed. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> it has no soul. <laughs> Your friends, they don't matter. Fuck you. <laughs> Over the next 90 minutes, I'm going to show you that all your problems can be solved by my penis. <laughs> Fuck you. Every Fuck romantic movie. For ever. sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> like, totally. I could see Eric Stoltz doing that. Except he's got to have the makeup for Mask. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> I do love me some stolts. I'll tell you. We're what. in the valley and we're having Are fun. And... Throw share in there as the horn. <laughs> Who? <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh yeah. Well, no, she was too young at the time. But then I guess like Gary Fisher could have pulled it off. Yeah, I mean, Sherry did ball cage later, so you know. Yeah, and they could have shared coke. Hey. Cher, by the way, a would date coke. like all the younger co-stars, by the way. You know, she'd ride that pony. You know, she wasn't ashamed. Good for her. Yeah. yeah. 
She she dated Gene Simmons at one point. <laughs> Ew. But be a poor, poor choice. <laughs> yeah, why couldn't we have followed up instead of doing this movie, just watch Too Young to Die? Holy shit, you saw that too? With, 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 with the Stamos? I, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. that shit's nuts. <laughs> that shit is nuts. It's like, okay, so it's a high school movie, except it's kind of a post-apocalyptic thing, and... What and Gene Simmons might have a vagina? But it's not. Yeah, except it's also not. Yeah, no. And there's something about the CIA in there, and they like fuck on the patio, and somebody's watching, and he has this watch that he cheats on a test with. You have a beautiful hermaphrodite Gene Simmons as a murderous. Man. Yeah, whose base of operations is the same place Crocus shot their music video for Screaming in the Night. See, maybe Gene Simmons could have done something wondrous in this movie then if he had played Nick Cage's part. I think oh my I god! Sleep away I'm gonna take you to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now, of course, uh, this we just posted our first episode today, so we don't have any uh, <laughs> listeners other than. Um, we're talking to Mom. ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> ourselves. So we don't have any situations on which we can advise with KG wisdom. So uh, w- how about just some general KG wisdom? What that, do you guys uh, feel? How about the real life dilemma that we're all going through and that we are buried in like 10 feet of snow? Do you think, do you think that Nicholas Cage's character could do something for that? You know, would he, he come along and would his hotness melt it? <laughs> if Nick Cage did a sort of Eddie Murphy thing of playing all the parts and they remade and starred just him in Dreamcatcher, <laughs> that would fit this. Hey! <laughs> I would watch the shit out of that. Did you guys watch Mad TV back in the day? Do you remember, did you ever see the sketch they Not did really. where Steven Seagal remakes when Harry met Sally with him play with himself playing both Harry and Sally? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but now we we'll have to. Yeah, you put that in your brain. Yeah. Um, I I feel like uh, I don't know. I, I I should be saying something about uh, learning about if you want something, just going for it. But I don't know. He was really like you like you guys were saying. Heart. It's well... a little stalkery. I mean, you kind of do just go for it, but first you have to get just absolutely, I don't care about life, blackout drunk, and then go to a bar that serves teenagers alcohol mm-hmm. when you already mm-hmm. have It's Hollywood. Goes bang someone and have gross bathroom sex while other people watch and it has no bearing so whatsoever what's going on. Then try mm-hmm. to get yourself killed mm-hmm. and have your best friend tell you that you need to go for it, misinterpret that, and start actively stalking the fuck out of someone until you just wake up outside on their yard, right outside their well, window. Well, Peter Piper picked a pepper. Asking, I guess he did. Is this good enough? <laughs> yeah, it paid off for him. I mean, with all the stalking and beating up the boyfriend, yeah, she results. Took back. Yeah. She was fine. Yeah, yeah but who amongst we, us hasn't done that? Have we mentioned yet that the director? Uh, mm. Have we mentioned yet the director Martha <laughs> Coolidge was actually date raped? No. no. Yeah, she she made a docudrama in 1976 called "Not a Pretty Picture" about how when she was 16, she got literally date raped. Well. Well. That's what we call a lull. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> really depressing. <laughs> that's incredibly depressing. We Thank did you, it Adrian. for the lulls. Yeah. 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, well, way to stop the podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in their, in their commentary, though, during the, during the, the creepy date rape uh, party scene, she's all like, yeah, I don't so fondly remember my first sexual experience. And then I was looking through her films on Wikipedia, and sure enough, no, that's why. That's kind of like Deanna Troy when she was at a convention and was talking about how she's so thankful for Star Trek because it made her stop doing those terrible, terrible films. For like and trauma? she's talking about the canon films where she oh, had canon, to lay that's right. on a bed in the dead of winter at freaking, I think it was Death Wish 3 completely naked on a oh, mattress. Oh, that was her. And her okay. Up. And then yeah. her arm gets broken yeah. and she dies. That, that yes, was that. Yes. Death Wish Three is one of the worst ones in the series, and the whole series is really bad. But it's also one of the better ones. Well, it, 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 it's better. It it's such It's better. Yeah, yeah. It's it's better only because the retardation starts to surpass the yeah. incompetence. Yeah. But but it's still not as well, good as Death Wish for the Crackdown. Which again, if they had remade Death Wish without Bruce Willis, Nick Cage could have done that well. Either That's way, totally it's his kind of movie. Yeah, it's incredibly sad. But and, and like, I, I feel like with Valley Girl, I I feel like there was like no justice for lauren's character well, yeah. and i feel so terrible for her i mean she was basically date raped and then she you know, that she has been, to carry the secret that would have actually she was guilty if they followed it. up she was like oh yeah. you're such a terrible she, they have all those close-ups of her and she's got those that expression she's clearly conflicted so it's not as if it never happened yeah but if they'd actually followed up on that that would have made the final act make sense if she just told her friends yeah. like by the way your ex basically raped me at a party I would say most movies would follow that up, but in the correct terms, it would be most good movies. Well, that, that's that part up. of that's part of why I sort of pull the, like the Cassavetes argument. It's like this is a universe in which there is no justice. You know, like this yeah. is just this is just people who have problems and they either deal with them or they go on hurting each other. You know, it could have been one of those things also where it started out as one type of movie, then just devolved into another. And that one. happens, and that's that can be fine. You know, um, yeah. So I, I would say, I suppose one of the, the things we can uh, say is cagey wisdom from Randy. Well, not even from Randy, but from Valley Girl this week is is uh, that friends don't let other friends carry that shit. And also, fuck you. Yeah, yeah also, yeah, fuck uh, you. People out there, if if your friend's ex, like, kind of rapes you a bit, you know, like, or just... Yeah, Time. yeah, or just like you know, up and up and rapes you. You should probably tell that friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then at least you can be a good friend. Yeah, you'd be yeah. But or be around the bush enough into... so they ask you about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But now we're getting into too serious uh, uh, feeling here. So well, uh, fuck um, off for sure. What totally. can we yeah. actually learn from Randy? I mean, well, okay. How determination. Not to be a friend of... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's a I guess. Well, he was he was determined. I guess you know one thing you can learn from it is that he, it, they all thought that he was the hunk and he was so sexy on the beach. But then once he's in his new wave clothes, then don't put all your clothes on. That's that's the lesson. Yeah. So I think that if, Don't if see the Cage's real character would want us, yeah, if he would want us to take any lesson away, it would be never be you, never put on clothes. Just be pretty and far away. Yeah. 
And never put on clothes. Never put on clothes. <laughs> Ever. But do go for a corn dog. God, yeah, I could go for a corn dog right now. And tacos. I know we're getting toward the end of this episode, but one yeah. thing I would like to leave as a final thought, again, because this movie could have been done so, so much better in so many ways. What if instead of stalking her, he took a Karate Kid-esque turn and actually started learning karate to beat the shit out of her ex-boyfriend? Holy shit. I know. Wait, then Fred <laughs> Forrest turns into her mentor for no reason, into his mentor for no reason. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, watch that. At Woodstock, you gotta like wax on, wax off, man. You know, it's like, never get out of the boat. <laughs> <laughs> there go the water buffaloes. <laughs> they said never get off the boat. They were goddamn right. <laughs> he was close. Now is the time to say, please, please, please. We are just starting out. We could really, really use your help. Please listen, subscribe, and review Cage's Kiss on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. As I said, we're, we're just starting out, and uh, any help we can get is immensely appreciated. And feel free to and- send us your flames when you disagree with us. Come on, get something going. <laughs> Give us your fucking money. That too. Yeah. (laughs) Well, hold up. Hold up. (laughs) And even if you don't like us, if we piss you off, subscribe and we'll give you a reason to be pissed off every day. Give you something to bitch about. I mean, who doesn't want that? And complain about us to relatives, friends, and coworkers. And strangers on the bus. And strangers on the bus. And then you could find your own Julie to stop. Maybe in Rome. Please don't stalk. <laughs> I want now, somebody to you... sleep a bag on my lawn. <laughs> as long as it's Fred, I guess I'm cool. Uh, remember, you can find Cage's Kiss on Facebook and on Twitter at Cage's Kiss. Uh, and you can visit our website at cageskiss.com. And you can also write to us at cageskiss at gmail.com. Donnie, you have any, uh, wh- where can people find you? They can find me in a van by the river and usually in a halfway house, but otherwise... In a sleeping bag for me in the front yard. I can't afford a sleeping bag. <laughs> the cardboard I use is soaked right now, so I gotta let that So nobody dry. can slip inside your but sleeping bag. you can bag. find me on Twitter under Unreal Goals, though I don't suggest it, <laughs> and I'm still not going to share any other aspect of my life because I prefer being an anonymous alcoholic. And because he's the Zodiac. Well, you can find me mostly on DeviantArt. It's uh, Leo the Fox, all one word, all lowercase. And that's where I put my random shit, my stories, and my gay-ass art. And you can still find me on YouTube under A.A. Smith. That's where I do cartoons and I complain about books that you didn't read. Well, fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Join us again next week for Rumblefish. And uh, remember, fuck you, fuck off for sure, like totally. Rumblefish sounds like diarrhea. It really is. It's usually followed by Long John Silvers. <laughs> I guess that makes that this year uh, Cage Kiss Off. I could eat a page for hours. <laughs> <laughs>